Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Father, we humble ourselves now in this moment to ask that you'd help us to continue to worship in spirit and truth as we now open the word of God as an act of worship, believing that you want to speak to us, that you will speak to us. And Lord, we know we need to always hear what you would say to us. And so give us an ear to hear what your spirit would say to this part of your church through this portion of your word. Prepare our hearts to partake of communion afterwards as well, we ask. And we just pray your Holy Spirit would now settle our hearts, open us up to be receptive to you and to what the voice of your spirit would say to us. Bless your word, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You may be seated. You know, sometimes we find ourselves kind of being weary and maybe a little worn down and burdened in some ways on the inside. We kind of feel an inward tiredness. And though maybe we're making our best efforts to do what is right, maybe we're not necessarily doing what's wrong. Maybe we are doing the best that we know how of what is right and righteous, but yet maybe the load and the pressure that we're continually bearing up under is sort of beginning to become too much for us. Perhaps internally your heart or your mind feels a little bit restless, maybe agitated, maybe just kind of wearied with the experience of life, unsettled, maybe feeling a little overwhelmed and Maybe it might accurately describe even this morning your condition that you feel a little bit exhausted within. I want you to know that God's aware that can happen sometimes. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, it speaks of our vulnerability to become weary and discouraged in our souls. That it is possible to become weary and discouraged in our souls. The question then becomes this, what is the remedy for that? What's the answer or the solution uh, when we find ourselves weary and discouraged in our souls when we're struggling in this way? Well, it's simple. It's Jesus. It's fixing our eyes afresh upon Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Even the writer of Hebrews tells us the author, the one who began everything and the finisher, the one who will carry things through to completion in each of our lives. And here we find Jesus in our text this morning in Matthew 11, we find Jesus giving us an invitation. Probably one of the grandest invitations in all of the scripture, we find Jesus giving an invitation and an offer to all people regarding himself. You'll take note here in what we read in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus uses three key words here as he closes out this chapter in direct relationship to himself. Those three key words are basically this, come, take, and learn. Three key words in this invitation of Jesus, come, take, and and learn and they're all in relationship to himself he says there in verse 28 come to me that has come to me personally come and experience who i am and what i supply and then he says take or we might say partake or receive from me that is what i offer to you the help and the assistance that i want to give to you to provide relief and help with what you're dealing with 
And then thirdly, he says, learn from me. That is, let me give to you revelation of what I'm really like and what I really desire for your life and what my plan, not your plan or anyone else's plan, but what my plan is for your life. And he promises if we do that responsively, he tells us here in summary, then I will give you the rest that you're searching for as a person. You'll find that it's a rest, he says, not of your physical frame, but it's a rest for your soul, that you can be at rest within, that you can find rest in the inward life. Look at me there in verse 28. Let's look at this. Jesus begins by saying, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus puts forth an invitation here to experience, take notice, a personal encounter with him in a living, intimate relationship instead of just working at maintaining a religious lifestyle and doing spiritual routines and following rules and rituals. The invitation, notice, is extended here in verse 28. Look at it. To all. It's an invitation that is open to anyone. To all, he then adds to it, to all who labor and are heavy laden. That word labor that Jesus uses there is a term that describes laboring or working very hard to accomplish something and putting so much effort into doing what you're doing that you're literally just depleted. You're just utterly exhausted. It's a Greek term that speaks of laboring under the point of absolute exhaustion, worn out, weary. Maybe that describes you this morning. The term he uses there, heavy laden, is a, a term that pictures someone, the idea is imagery, bearing up under a heavy load, like carrying a, a huge sack of grain over your shoulders, and it's just extremely heavy, and you're bearing up under that load, struggling to carry it, and you're straining to hold up and bear up under the weight and the pressure of the load that you find yourself carrying. The imagery describes a person who's just exhausted from working so hard because they're carrying this heavy load on their back. And this is the picture that Jesus gives here. And what was it, we should ask, what was it Jesus was seeing that was concerning him, that would make him make these statements here? Well, two things specifically. Jesus saw that people's souls were weary and weighed down with the burden of their own personal sin and also the burden of trying to find acceptance with God or trying to work hard to feel that they're maintaining God's approval or God's acceptance in their life continually. First of all, they were weighed down and weary with the burden and weight of personal sin. And let me just say, I don't care who you are. I don't care how well you've done in life or how bad you've done in life. Every person bears in their life a measure of the heavy load of their own personal sin. The Bible tells us specifically in Romans 3 that we've all sinned, that we all fall short of the standard of God's glory and access into heaven. Every person, no matter how great of an individual they may think that they are or even desensitized that they may be in their own conscience to their own personal mistakes or even how self-righteous they may feel, every human being, because God's wired us with this thing called a conscience, this internal moral compass that from the earliest age 
we detect, when we know we've crossed a line or done something wrong, and whether it's in something we thought that we shouldn't have thought or an attitude that we had that was wrong, or something we said that we know we shouldn't have said or something we've done in our behavior or actions. We all know that we do things wrong and dishonor God. And as a result, we feel a natural sense of inward shame, a a natural sense of, of regret, if you would, for what we did wrong in our life. And given that we have a conscience, we experience guilt and we experience that guilt in our conscience. And let me just say, and I think you would agree, a guilty conscience is probably one of, if not the most paralyzing things in a human being's life. A guilty conscience is one of the most draining things on the inner life. It's like carrying around a backpack full of heavy bricks internally. I mean, it's like trying to walk forward, pulling a boat anchor that's tied around your ankle every single day, and you're unable to get free from it. You're unable to find relief from it. And no matter what you do to block it out or or inebriate yourself temporarily so you just don't think about it or feel it or, or somehow distract yourself, to be released from that exhausting experience inwardly of a guilty conscience is something that tortures people and it's a weight and pressure that we carry upon our soul day after day and there's no rest. There's no relief from it. There's no thing that we can do no matter how hard we work to get out from under the shame or the guilt of what we've done. There's nothing that we can do laboriously day after day trying this, trying that, that can rid ourselves of the guilt and the shame that we feel in our conscience for our own personal sin. For the things that we know, the skeleton in our closet or the things that we've done. And typically that guilt and a guilty conscience, it makes a person feel horrible about themselves. And it makes a person feel uneasy because it holds down their heart and they even worry about the punishment that they deserve. Listen, this is one of the reasons why our children, when we raise them, do need to be disciplined. They need to be corrected. Because the way God's wired them, when you do something wrong, when you spank a child or correct a child and bring some form of discipline to a child, what you are doing is releasing their conscience because they know they've done what's wrong. And that will weigh on them and internally, they don't even know how to articulate it. So sometimes they actually need that release of their conscience until they begin to understand the the way that God ultimately wants to release us from guilt. But there's a process in that, and it's part of the way God's wired us. And that guilt or shame on the conscience of a person is utterly exhausting. It weighs down on the person's soul. And Jesus, knowing this, offers an invitation, notice, to be released from the burden of sin and guilt and a guilty conscience. What is the way to do that? Jesus says, come to me come to me why because jesus is the deliverer from sin jesus is the one who is the only person who can deliver us from the punishment and the guilt of our sin because jesus came to take the punishment for our sin sin must be punished we must understand this sin has to be punished that is just that is righteous any good judge must punish wrongdoing or it's not a good judge it's not a righteous judge Jesus came 
to be just and the justifier of those who believe by as God being man simultaneously building the bridge between the two, living the sinless life we don't live and then dying for the guilt of our sin as he was punished for our sin and he took the punishment. He took the penalty that we all deserve to pay that weighs upon us and causes us guilt. Hebrews 9 says Jesus appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So he died on the cross for the punishment of our sins and then he rose again from the dead in power and victory to overcome the power of sin from having to control our lives. And because of what Jesus has done sufficiently for us, that's why when John the Baptist looked at Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, and he said this, who takes away the sin of the world. Please hear those two words, takes away. Take, Jesus takes away sin. He doesn't just hide it. He doesn't just kind of ignore it and leave it there in your conscience and your soul. Jesus, when you come to him and you put your trust in him, in who he is as the Savior and the Son of God for you, and you believe that what he did on the cross, dying and raising again from the dead, was done personally because it needed to be done for you, when you put your trust in that and you receive it for yourself in faith and you come to Jesus knowing who he is, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, saved from our sin and the guilt and shame and regret and the wonderful thing is Jesus assures us I'll take it away I don't just forget about it I take it away the stain's removed the guilt's not there anymore it's washed clean the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin when you came to Jesus he took it away that's why I, I, one of the best ways I could describe the moment that I accepted Jesus Christ that I know that I got saved and I remember shortly afterwards I knew nothing about Christianity or the Bible I mean I did not grow up in a home where I was raised in that way to me Genesis was an old rock group uh, you know I, I knew nothing but what I knew was this when I came to Jesus in that hour I remember saying to my friend, saying to my friend I feel like a backpack of bricks that I have been living with for almost 18 years of my life finally came off and there was that it was taken away the guilt of the conscience over the sin the punishment the awareness so Jesus saw this Jesus wanted people to be released from that guilt in their lives and he says come to me I'm the deliverer I can do that he also saw how people in this day were exhausted with trying to work so hard in their religious efforts and activity to try and find acceptance with God and here's a key you want to put together with this. Matthew 23, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders for being the ones putting all these burdens and rules and regulations on people spiritually. He says in Matthew 23, the religious leaders, they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and they lay them on men's shoulders. See, this is what the Pharisees were doing in that day. They were, in essence, making it very complicated and difficult for people to come to God. They were saying, if you want to be right with God, then you need to do this and do this. And do There's only a few hundred more. Hold on. And to do this and this, and you can't do this, and you must do that. And on that day, you have to do this, and you can't. And there were all these regulations, all these requirements and rituals, and it created many spiritual routines that had to be followed. And listen, it was exhausting. It was exhausting for the common people from what the religious leaders were telling you. It was exhausting trying to find out how do you stay right with God. This is exhausting. Remembering all this stuff, 
all these rules, what I can and can't do on the Sabbath day, this and that, and what's right, and, what, and all these traditions and religious requirements and observances that were supposedly required to come to God and stay right with God, they made it require all kinds of labor, all kinds of work, and to keep track of observing all these religious requirements, and it was causing people to feel wearied under the labor of religious living. It was exhausting people in their activities and rules trying to earn God's approval and keep God's acceptance and exhausting them knowing, am I right with God yet? I mean, did I have a good enough week that God likes me or still loves me? Did I do enough to maybe somehow, possibly get into heaven or should I do a few more things? And you can imagine, to live a godly life and find access to heaven was a hard road because the Pharisees were laying all these weights and burdens on people with rules and rituals and they never had any sense of certainty. And Jesus saw this and he saw them wearied under the religious lifestyle that they had been accustomed to and seeing that religious labor and exhaustion, those people being weary and disheartened, he said to them, Come to me. Come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest from your religious lifestyle. I'll give you rest from all the obligations the church people are telling you you have to fulfill to be right with God. Come to me, he says. Notice, Jesus has come to me because he's offering relationship with him instead of religious requirements and rules to fulfill the way to find acceptance with God is not by what we do it's by who we know it's knowing Jesus the one who took care of everything for us the way we come to God is through his son Jesus said in John 14 6 in fact we sang even that song this morning very fitting Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me that's very direct that's very simplistic. It's very narrow, but it's true. And we, oh, I don't like that way. Well, fine. I'm glad there's at least one way. I'll take one way. I don't even deserve a way. And Jesus said the way is, he doesn't say church is the way. He doesn't say a pastor is a way or the priest is the way or religious living is the way or doing enough is a way. He says, I am the way. The way to the Father, no one comes to him, to the Father heaven, except through me. It's through Jesus, directly through coming to Jesus. So we need to come to Jesus initially to experience this salvation from our own personal sin, to receive assurance that we are right with God, that our sin is forgiven, and that we do have acceptance because our acceptance is by knowing Jesus, who's the mediator between God and men. And if we come to Jesus, he says, I'm the way. If you come to me, You'll have acceptance into the Father in heaven's presence after you die. That's why Jesus says in the end of verse 28, and I will give you rest. What he's saying there is, if you come to me regarding your spiritual condition, I'll give you an inward rest regarding the condition of your soul. That is, you can be at rest, that even though you sinned and failed and you still struggle, you can be at rest. That's okay, I've forgiven and died for every sin that you've committed. And you can be at rest that when you die, you don't have to wonder what's going to happen. You can know and be at rest. I'm, I've made peace with my maker. I've made peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants to give to each person that inward rest regarding the condition of their soul. And as we come to Jesus initially, then what he wants, because he's relational, is he wants us to then keep coming to him continually. 
And every day, even once we become a, a Christian and we know Jesus Christ, that we're doing those things to stay in intimate relationship. We're maintaining relationship with Jesus, coming to him with regularity, continually coming to him day by day, making conscious decisions to spend time with the Lord. He says, come to me. You go to all those other things, would you come to me? This is a relationship. I don't want you to just come and tip your hat to me on a Sunday or a Sunday and a Wednesday. Or no, I want you to come to me. I'm a living Lord. Every day, come to me. Talk to me. Tell me what's going on in your life. Let me speak into your heart things I want to tell you and help you. The idea is having interaction and encounters with Jesus continuously. In a relational way, like we would a love relationship with a parent or a child or a husband or a wife or a friend. He's that friend that wants us to have ongoing relationship, but we have to keep coming to him. Coming to him. Maybe you came to Jesus Christ. Are you coming to Jesus Christ every day? Spending time with him, walking with him. Jesus says, let me, let me guide you in your daily choices. Come to me, I'll help you. Let me assist you, whatever you're dealing with. Are you struggling with sin? Jesus has no problem. I forgave its penalty. Now let me help you deal with the power of sin trying to control your life. Come to me. I'll help you overcome that sin you're struggling with. I'll help you overcome it with my strength and power. And Jesus says, if you do this, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. That is, there'll be that ongoing restful peace in our inward life. Listen, am I saying the absence of problems? No way, Jose. No way. This world's got problems. And listen, in this life, there's always going to be a measure of pressure. There's always going to be responsibilities. And there's work to be done and struggles to deal with. But at least we can know it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And you know what? That's enough to help me go to sleep at night. Because it is well with my soul. And there's that inward rest. So Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest. And then he goes on in verse 29 and 30 to say, And take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke, he describes, is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus offers here opportunity to receive assistance and to experience, as we said, learning from him revelation. The second key word, the second invitation word Jesus mentions here is not only that we would come to him, but notice also verse 29, that we would also take from him. That is partake of what he wants to give to us, that we would receive from Jesus what he wants to offer to us. He says, take my yoke upon you. Then he says, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, maybe a little harder for us to grasp today, but remember, in that ancient culture, it was predominantly an agrarian society. That is a, a, a farming society. That was the way predominantly most people got by and so forth way more than today. And, and they typically plowed their fields with their animals. So the yoke was a farming implement. A yoke might be what we would call today kind of like a, like a wooden harness that would go over the, the neck of two animals. They would put their heads, usually two animals, pairs of animals, in sort of this harness that went over the back of their, their neck. And those two animals would, using the yoke, work together in cooperation to do the work of pulling the plow. And a good quality yoke that was built correctly would assist the animal as it bared up under the load that it needed to and to do the work that it needed to do effectively without being overly wearied and worn down too quickly. And it was important that that wooden yoke fit the animal well, even more if it could be custom fit 
for that particular animal that was going to use it. If it was custom fit, it would assist them in bearing the weight and pressure of pulling the plow. It didn't hurt them. It didn't wear them out as easily. So a good quality yoke either enabled the animal to handle the load well and make progress or it caused problems and it weighed them down. Now with that analogy, Jesus says here with that imagery, take my yoke upon you. The idea is upon your life. Now again, being under a yoke, as I said, implies work. That's what they used a yoke to do work, to accomplish things. It wasn't the absence of work. Being under a yoke meant bearing up under responsibility. So let me just say this morning, we as people are supposed to bear a measure of responsibility in our life. There is a certain measure of bearing a load in your life that is right. The important thing is, is we can go about that the right way or we can struggle it out going about it the wrong way. So Jesus says here, listen, take my yoke upon you. Implication being this, first of all, don't let someone else put their yoke upon you. Well, this is what you need to do or this is what you should do. Or th- and sometimes that happens. People try and put a yoke on us. And let me just say, it's going to be hard to bear the yoke someone else puts on you. It's going to wear you out. It's going to frustrate you. And it may not even be the yoke that God wants to be upon your life. And here you are trying to walk in that yoke. And, and, and not to mention, if you're in the wrong yoke, listen, you may get pulled in the wrong direction. And so they're pulling you off in this direction because this is the yoke that they have for your life. Let me say as well, don't create your own yoke for your life. Sometimes we put yokes upon our own shoulders that the Lord never intended us to put upon them. And so we have these expectations and ideas of what we should do or what would be right to do or what, what's, and, and all of a sudden we find ourselves exhausted and frustrated and worn out because we've created a yoke for ourselves that's not the Lord's yoke. We've created it ourselves. Jesus says here, take my yoke upon you. His yoke is the best. You want to be yoked up with Jesus. And he says, my yoke, look at verse 30, he describes it. My yoke, Jesus describes it, is easy. The Greek term that's used there literally means easy to operate in. The idea is it's custom fit. It fits well And so therefore it's easy to use because it's custom fit for you. Let me say, the Lord has a custom fit yoke just for you. For you. He knows you personally. He knit you and created you together in your mother's womb. He knows everything about your personality, your strengths, your weakness, your temperament, so forth, your strengths and and, and the, the areas of deficiency. And he knows everything about you and he knows everything about the purposes he has for you. So with all that understanding as an omniscient God knowing all, the Lord Jesus has perfectly designed a specific yoke for you to bear. For you. He's custom created it for you and... It's perfectly designed for you to operate under and something you will listen, therefore be comfortable with handling. And if you're in Jesus's yoke, you'll work well within it. He says there with Jesus's yoke, he says, take my yoke upon you. And then look what he says, verse 30. If you take my yoke that I've custom fit for you, he says, you'll find that my burden then is light. Now, again, Take note, there's still a measure of bearing a load personally in this life. There are still purposes for us to fulfill. But if we're engaged in what Jesus intends and we're yoked up together with the Lord, it won't be overwhelming. 
because it's what the Lord's custom created for us. It's the load that we're supposed to bear and we're yoked together with Jesus so the burden is light. Why? Because guess who the other person in the yoke is? Jesus. And he does all the heavy lifting. So you may be, man, how's that person bearing up under the weight of, man, they got a lot of responsibility. Listen, because the reality is, is they're, they're yoked together with Jesus and he's doing all the heavy lifting. All they're doing is walking in cooperation and participation with Jesus and they're headed in the right direction because they're going in the direction Jesus wants to go. And when we're yoked with Jesus and we're partnering with him and headed in his direction, the burden therefore becomes light because he's bearing the burden and so therefore it's his power being supplied. It's his help and it's his assistance and we're going in the right direction so we're not chafing and pulling against trying to go in a wrong way. We're just going in the way of the Lord because that's what he's intended for us. Jesus wants us to come, to take, to receive this yoke that he has for us. The idea is there's a custom fit plan for your life. And Jesus says, would you take my plan? Take my plan. Get yoked together with me. Take my yoke for you. And he says, and let me help you. Stop straining to try and do what someone else wants you to do or struggling to do what you think that you should do. He's saying, let me help you bear the load I've intended for you. And he's saying, would you receive the rest I want to give you? I want to give you relief from what you're bearing up under. Get yoked with me. And he says, you'll find there's a rest in that and my help will be with you. And the third invitation he gives there in the end of verse 29 is also not only to come to Jesus and take from Jesus his help, but also he says, learn from me. Learn from me, and he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. The idea is letting Jesus give us revelation. Letting Jesus teach us and be our personal guide and tutor. Learn means to discover things, to increase in our understanding, to have further revelation. And notice Jesus says, learn from me. From me. The idea there is not necessarily learning from reading books and gathering information by intellectual research and, and acquiring knowledge. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is, this is a personal thing. It's like a personal tutor. It's like a, a daily guide. Learn from me. Let me be the one who gives to you revelation regarding who I am and what my will and plan is for your life and understanding and spiritual truths. Let me assist you by being the one who explains things to you. And let me just say, this is one of the blessed privileges of coming to Jesus and having a personal relationship with him. Is as you live with the, 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 the living Jesus and you come to him and you're taking and receiving from him, one of the blessings is Jesus will give you continuous revelation in your life. He'll be the one helping you, explaining things to you, helping you to understand his plan, his purpose, how to handle things. Notice Jesus wants to show you and I more of who he is and what he's like. He says there in the text, learn from me, and then he adds to it, verse 29, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus wants to show us things about himself. Of all the things Jesus could have told us about himself, his one autobiographical statement in the Bible, he was most concerned that we would know that his nature is number one, gentle, and number two, that he's lowly in heart. Of all the things he could have told us about himself, he says, I want you to know this, learn this from me, I'm gentle, gentle. The word gentle speaks of not being harsh or hard, not impatient or irritable or, or demanding. And listen, let me just say this. 
I believe Jesus was firm. You can't read the Gospels and tell me that Jesus was not firm. Jesus was very firm sometimes when he would say certain things. When he would speak to people the truth, sometimes he was, he was firm. He was very direct. But he wasn't harsh. He, 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 even in his authority, he, there was a still a mildness, a, a loving, tender, sensitive, compassionate aspect. He was patient and gentle with people as they learned and, and as he interacted with them. And he also says of himself that he was lowly in heart. The idea there is meek and humble. Jesus wasn't domineering. Though he was the son of God with all power and authority, he wasn't forceful as a person. He wasn't pushy or demanding. He had great authority, but he kept it under control. Your translation may say, I am meek or humble. Those are great descriptions of the same word. Jesus had incredible self-control. He took the low road. He was the king of kings, and he was the greatest servant there was. He would take the most lowly tasks He would do the most humble and servant-hearted things and and, and was someone who was just lowly in heart. He wasn't always drawn to tell. He just was a lowly in heart person, just a humble man in the way he operated. He was approachable, made people feel at ease. He was patient with people as they figured things out. And let me just say, if that is the nature of Jesus and what he drew attention to as we seek to grow in Christ-likeness, Lord, help me to be more gentle and to be more humble and meek and lowly. And Jesus desires us to learn that of him, but also to let him, I think, teach us things as well. He says, learn from me. That is not just who Jesus is, but also the situations you're dealing with. Jesus says, let me show you how to handle that. Learn from me. You always have to ask someone, learn from me. Let me show you how to handle that situation. Learn from me. Find my plan. Follow my purposes. Learn from me what I want for your life and and what I intend to do with your life. So Jesus here, great invitation. Come to me. He says, take, receive from me. Learn from me. And he says, and if you do, you'll find rest for your soul. He says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you refreshment inwardly. Help you relax. You'll find rest to be at rest within because it will be a supernatural gift of Jesus himself. The question is, will we come to Jesus? Will we humble ourselves and admit our need and surrender and take from Jesus what he wants to give to us? And will we learn from Jesus? You know, perhaps this morning, maybe even you're dealing with things perhaps like loneliness Well, you know, this is the answer to loneliness. Are you lonely? Jesus says, come to me. I'll help you with that loneliness. Maybe you feel helpless and and just overwhelmed with responsibilities. Jesus says, then take my yoke upon you. I'll help you. I'll bear the load with you. Maybe this morning you feel directionless. Are you lacking direction? Jesus says, why don't you try learning from me? And let me give you the direction that you need in your life. 